Welcome to the College Sports Insider presented by the NCAA and Champions Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. So, whenever you're talking about the military, one of the watchwords is leadership. And if you ever spend any time either in the Army or around the Army, if you ever spend any time at the, the Military Academy at West Point, you know that leadership is a core and element of everything that is done there. And uh, I am willing to attest to the fact that you will not find a, a better leader than Lieutenant General Robert Caslin Jr., recently retired from the Army, who, among other things, um, finished up a five-year term as the superintendent of West Point. Uh, that, the last stop in an illustrious military career, uh, always was marked by elements of leadership. And we're delighted to have General Caslin with us right now to talk a little bit about his life and leadership, um, the various places it's taken him to, and where he's heading now. So, General, it's always good to see you. Jack, thanks so much. Honored to be here. Thank you. I, I want to start probably the, the best place to start for a journey is at the beginning. So for you, your journey in the military starts with your decision to, to go to West Point. Right? Now, the, you had options, um, and as with all of, the, of the, the cadets at West Point, because they were all so marvelously talented, what was it that made you decide that the option that you wanted to take, the direction you wanted to go, was to become a cadet at West Point? It's a good question, because uh, I graduated from high school in 1971, and if you know your history, mm -hmm. that was kind of in the middle of the Vietnam War. And a very tough time in terms of the image. We realize now it was completely wrong mm -hmm. how we were looking at our military mm -hmm. members, um, but also for, for West Point as a, as a destination for talented young people. So mm -hmm. what well, then made you decide? All my teachers, interestingly enough, found ways not to go to Vietnam. And when I told them I was interested in going to West Point, to a, to a single one of them, they were trying to talk me out of it. One even said I would be a baby killer. But when I looked at West Point, I saw West Point has tremendous opportunities. And the good thing about the military academy is when you enter your first day doesn't mean that you're committed to four years at West Point and an additional five years in the Army. Uh, so you go first two years without any obligation whatsoever. And then if you graduate, that's when you pick up your, your five-year commitment. And, and you have an obligation when you start your junior year. But the fact was, you have two years to check it all out. So, I mean, I, I said, this is a tremendous opportunity. This is a tremendous education. It's got a tremendous opportunity to have a career that, you know, I, I knew I was not going to be a desk type of person. I wanted to be out, outside type. And uh, I knew I loved to travel and to see the world. So what better way to see the world than, than to join the United States Army? So I checked it out. And lo and behold, I, I fell in love with it. I loved the brotherhood. Back then it was all men. Right. Uh, I love the brotherhood. I love the camaraderie. Uh, even to this particular day, our classmates are some of the closest men that are even closer to my own blood brothers that, that I have. And so that camaraderie is just something that is very special. And, and I realized that particularly playing sports and the camaraderie among your team, that you find that in the Army, in the units you are a part of, in the units that you lead, and you find that same type of brotherhood and camaraderie that uh, was so part of me growing up and playing sports. And I think the physical structure. If, if, if somebody's never been to West Point, it's one of these places you have to go visit. If you get there on a, on a fall afternoon with all the foliage out and, and the architecture and the tradition and history just pulls you right in. As a, as, as, even as an 18-year-old, did you get that sense? 
Well, I'll tell you a story that was really interesting. My grandfather is an Italian immigrant, came through Ellis Island. And the night before I entered West Point, my dad, we stayed at his house. He lived in Connecticut two hours away from West Point. So my dad and my grandfather and I were in the car driving to West Point where my dad was going to drop me off. My grandfather was in the car. And as we're driving the hill going onto the entrance of West Point, my grandfather said, he said to my father, Bob, Bob, pull over. So my dad pulled over. And my grandfather opened the door and started getting out of the car. I said, Grandpa, what's the matter? He said, West Point is a very special place. It's hallowed ground, and I do not deserve to be on West Point. So you just go on and do your thing, Bob, and your dad can come pick me up later. And uh, I said, Grandpa, get in the car. Let's go. It's going to be a long day, so let's get going. But, you know, I, what you talked about, the hallowed history of West Point and the impact it's had right from its birth on our nation through the years of its graduates and the impact they have had on the nation. To be a part of that as a cadet, you know, has a, has a piece. You're, you're, you're part of something that's bigger than yourself. And you're part of the trust that the nation is putting on you to lead America's sons and daughters in the future, which is a very special thing as well. You know, you don't get that trust from any other leadership opportunity that's out there just from going to the military academy because what America expects of you when you graduate. It is, it, it's daunting in terms of what they demand of you as a student. You and I have talked about this before. I, I told you I was recruited by West Point in 1968 when I was coming out of high school to play football there. Went up, took a visit, and what, what essentially what literally frightened me off was the engineering, mm -hmm. the, the <clears throat> curriculum there. You know, I ended up going to college, went to Yale, played football there. I was a history major, you know, went to law school. To this day, a part of me regrets being frightened away from West Point by the engineering and the math and the science. It wasn't who I was as a student. Was it, was it daunting to you coming in? Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to talk about football in a minute, but let's talk the academics and, and how demanding it was of, of every cadet. So there were no, you didn't get any breaks if you were an athlete. Mm -hmm. How did you view it when you first decided to make that decision? Well, it was usually daunting and intimidating. And I was probably almost intimidated myself out of it. But the beautiful thing about West Point is it's a leadership development institution. So it's not there to test you in order to set a standard that if you don't meet the standard, they're going to drive you out. It's not a development by attrition. It's a development by <clears throat> inspiring you to objectives and embracing and helping you so that you can develop into the man and woman that you need to be. Um, I was struggling in physics. I remember that my junior year. And I had an, a physics instructor who was, he was interested in my development. So he would bring me to his house on Sunday and I, his wife would cook this big home cooked meal. After the meal was done, he would tutor me on physics from last week and prepare me for physics for next week and because he just loved football players and what we were doing. And, he, and I learned more about leadership from what he did with me than I did about um, physics that particular. In what sense? In that case. How? Because he invested himself in my development. He was an example and a role model. He never lowered the standards, but he set the standards high and he developed me and taught me and instilled in me the confidence to be able to convince myself that I can do that and I can achieve it. And he was, to this day, we, I stay in touch with him. He's, he's just been a great role model and a great mentor 
my entire life. Plus, you got a great Sunday meal. Yeah, I did. Was, <laughs> I could see you faking yeah. having physics problems, saying, "Hey, I can get a good meal here if That's I right. keep <laughs> up with this guy." Let's talk about about football at West Point, because again, major college football, at daunting in terms of of the schedule that West Point played. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in terms of what was demanded of the cadets, who, in addition to doing everything else that every other cadet has to do, is now going to invest all these hours in being a football player. When you got there, how confident were you in your ability to actually play at West Point? Well, I played, fo- I played uh, high school football in the state of Vermont. Um, so it was a very small Not known state. as a hotbed of no, for, for recruiting I, for college football. I made all-conference and all-state, so my name was on a paper, and somehow that paper got to the West Point football office, and they sent me a letter saying, we're interested in you. And they looked at some film, and then they, you know, they were somewhat interested. But back then, it, the NCAA rule was that you freshmen were not allowed to play varsity. Right. So we had a freshman team. And I'll never forget my first practice. So they didn't know whether to put me as a center or as a linebacker. So they started me off as a linebacker. So I remember the fullback coming in to block the linebacker so the halfback can go around the block. Mm-hmm. And he put his helmet right in my chest and laid me flat. <laughs> and I go, whoa, wow, this is, <laughs> this is a new level <laughs> of football. So I either had a choice. My choice was I was going to rise to the level I needed to or I was going to go find something else to do. Well, I'm never, I've never quit anything in my life, never. So I had to find what it was going to take to rise up. So I slowly worked my way up to the, to the Manning chart. So our first game that we, that we played, my parents from Vermont drove down to see me play the first game. But I was like fourth team. I was on the, on the chart. And I didn't even dress that game because they only dressed like the first two or three teams. And I was so embarrassed. I said, never again. Well, I'm not going to let that happen. So over the next week, I worked my way up to the second team center. They put me in the center after getting laid <laughs> on my back. So they put me up to the second team center, and the first team center hurt his knee, and I played the rest of the season as a first team center mm-hmm. and slowly worked my way up. You know, I was uh, the smallest and the lightest guy on both sides of the ball, but I was committed to really develop what I was good at, and that was speed and technique. And if you have the discipline to take advantage of your strengths and, and work on your weaknesses, then you can find yourself competitive in any league that's out there. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's what I ended up doing. Did you have a sense when you first got to the academy? And I want to preface this question by saying, as I mentioned in the introduction, you just retired, um, mm-hmm. finishing up as the superintendent of the academy. And I've seen where, where you were in, in the Army for 43 years, and I believe you were the... the last person in your graduating class to step away from the army mm-hmm. so so this was an, an exceptional an exceptionally long military career did mm-hmm. you have any idea any notion when you first started west point if someone had said to you you know what bob i see you staying in for 43 years here what would your reaction have no it's just the opposite i was going to do my five years and get out so I graduated in 1975. My model, class model was Courage and Drive 75. Our unofficial model was 75 out in five. So we were going to get out after five years. I remember after two years, I, I, I ended up marrying my wife, Shelly. We're still married after 41 years. And I said to her, just hang in there. It's just going to be a couple more years and we'll, we'll move on. And how, how often did she remind you of, when is the couple of years going to be up yeah, here for so. us, right? 
So, you know, the mandatory retirement date for a lieutenant general is 40 years. Uh, so when, the, when my assignment as a superintendent, I was extended with, by the Secretary of Defense, and then I got extended a second time, and it had to be approved by the President of the United States. Um, and it was an honor just to be able to do that. So I was the last, not only was I the last person in my class, but I was the oldest and the longest serving active duty officer in the United States Army when I retired. Let's go back to football for a second. And, and this is a question, I've heard you talk about this before, but I, I want to talk about it for purposes of this conversation. Um, those of us who, who played college football know that there are values that come from the game, flow from the game. Um, and, and we've had uh, people who played have different reactions to it, have different ways of looking back on it. When you look back at your experience as a football player at West Point, how do, you, how do you think that that experience then essentially drove what the rest of your career was going to be? Um, teamwork, discipline, tenacity, and grit. Uh, that's what I would best describe what I learned from playing intercollegiate athletics. Uh, so when I graduated, I chose the infantry because I wanted to be, if I was going to be in the Army, I want to be all in. I want to be at the tip of the spear. I want to be where the conditions were the worst and the ugliest. You learn that from being in the scrum on the football field. Whereas, and if you're playing center, is, it doesn't get Is any, there a less glamorous position in yeah, the game of football than center? Than often, and yet, is there a less essential position in the game of football? I was a quarterback. <laughs> so I, respe right. I respected you all. Um, all I trusted all you all with, with keeping me intact. Yeah, but it was that, and, and interesting, as an infantryman in the crucible of ground combat, you know, not fighting wars in, in the air or in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, but fighting where it's the ugliest and the meanest and the worst conditions, you have to lead and you have to lead by the front. You have to share hardships. You have to be out there with your, with your uh, soldiers, and they've, you have to experience what they're experiencing so that you understand what they're capable of when you have to push them, when you have to back off, how you put your armor on them, and then, and then when, you, when you've got to really discipline them. And all of that was ingrained in me by playing intercollegiate, intercollegiate college sports. Those were the values. Those were, that was the character that I really learned and developed. And the carryover that it had in my military career was undeniable. And I cannot begin to tell you how many times I've reflected in the moment of crucible, in the crucible of ground combat, reflecting back on what I'm doing right now as a result of the character I learned playing intercollegiate sports at West Point. There's a plaque, as you know, that, that Army players, um, it sort of leads them out on the field oftentimes, and it's a quote from one of the legendary Army generals in World War II saying something to the extent of, I have a terribly dangerous and important mission, send me a West Point football player. Mm -hmm. Is that hyperbole, or does that, it, it, would you think that, that that notion continues to exist today? Yeah, it does. And that same plaque is, that story is told again to the football players again and again. Whenever they run on the field, whether it's a practice field or whether they run on the field during the game, they touch that plaque. Because that epitomizes the values that they have learned. It epitomizes the values and character that they embrace. It epitomizes the values and character that are necessary to win and to win the right way. You know, when, when America puts the Army in harm's way, they don't expect the Army to go out there and look good and to do its best. They expect the Army to go out there and win. And they also expect the Army to win in accordance with our national values and the values of the Army. 
So when the football players touch that plaque, they understand what is expected of them. They understand that they have to play with the tenacity that's and the relentless tenacity to win. And that's just a reminder what, what's expected of them by our country and what's expected of them by you know, the West Point community itself. Let me jump ahead to, to your time as the superintendent of the academy. Now, you spent a couple of years as the commandant um, back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after this illustrious career, the tip of the spear, um, deployments to a number of areas that were in harm's way mm -hmm. in various capacities. And now you're, you're moving towards the end of your career. And, and you have the opportunity to, to go back to West Point as the superintendent. My first question to you is, it, it, was that something that at some point in your career you ever said, boy, would I love to be able to do that? Or was it something that you hadn't thought of until it came around? I had no idea. I had, no, I had not thought of it. And I didn't even think it was possible or feasible, being as old as I was. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I was, frankly, as a general officer, I was just grateful to be able to serve. And I was just grateful to be able to continue to serve our country, even though I was getting older in my tenure in the Army. Um, so whatever job was out there that I was still being considered for was to me a blessing because it gave me the opportunity to continue to serve. But so what, then, did you, what did you think then when, when they came to you and said, OK, how about going back as the superintendent? To me, it was over the top. Because mm -hmm. um, you know, I know it's, the last, it's going to be your last assignment. Mm -hmm. But if you are going to serve 40, 40 plus years, there's no better job to finish your career out than to be the superintendent of West Point. And the reason is because you have the opportunity not, not to put a plaque on the wall or something, but you have the opportunity to invest into the, into the lives of the future leaders of our Army. It's something that you can give back into. There's no better legacy than the legacy of people, the people that you had the ability to influence. And if you're going to leave a legacy as in your last assignment in a 43-year career, then leave that legacy into the future of our Army and the future of our profession, the future men and women who will continue to stand in the gap between the evil that's out there and the American people. If you have the ability to develop and influence them, take advantage of it and do it. You and I first met when you had just started in that assignment at West Point. And the reason we got together is that I was, uh, I'd gotten permission to do a story for 60 Minutes, for 60 Minutes Sports about resurrecting Army football. And the genesis of the story was I was standing on the, the sidelines of the Army-Navy game and, and Army had just lost for the 11th or 12th straight time, I forget what it was, and, and a legendary Navy football player, I'm not gonna mention his name, to protect him here, but said to me, I can't say this publicly, but you know what? Army needs to win some of these games. The nation needs Army to beat Navy sometimes. They don't, it doesn't help, especially going through what we're going through for West Point football to lose all these times. So you come in as the new superintendent. I remember interviewing you for the, for the story. And, and, and let me ask you the same question I asked you then. Why did you believe that with, with everything that was going on in the world and the, the importance that the Army, the role that the Army played in the world, why did you believe that being good in football was of importance to the mission of West Point? Um, well, when I first got there, I can't begin to tell you how many people said I needed to drop down to Division II. Mm -hmm. 
or needed to go into the Ivy League. <clears throat> they had given up hope that Army would ever be competitive again. I totally dismissed that. I said if Navy can do it, and if the Air Force can do it, then, then West Point can do it. We've got to figure out what, what we need to do. I've watched Army football since I've been affiliated with, with it so long. I've watched it for year after year after year. I knew that we didn't have the mental toughness and the physical toughness, nor the discipline. The discipline because we had too many turnovers and penalties that would, be, that would just turn the ball over and stop the drives. And, and we were just not teaching the discipline and the, and the mental and physical toughness. In the crucible of ground combat, like I said, you have to be mentally and physically tough. And our players were not. They were in the best metric of look, looking if you're mentally and physically tough is look at the fourth quarter. You know, our athletes are always going to be 10 pounds lighter than the other ones they're playing across the ball from. And they're going to be maybe a tenth of a second slower than the ones are going to be. But the fourth quarter is the great equalizer. If you keep pounding them and keep pounding them play after play after play, and you have the physical and mental, mental toughness of the first and second and third quarter, come the fourth quarter, it's the other guy whose tongue is hanging out. And you still have the mental physical toughness, and it becomes a great equalizer. So win the fourth quarter. In order to win the fourth quarter, you've got to be mentally and physically tough, that you have the grit that's necessary to persevere and to do it. So we didn't. We didn't. Just look at that. So it was something that just we knew we had to develop. And I was, I'm still, I was convinced back then, still convinced, and as, as it's been demonstrated, um, if, you, if you have the right people that can instill that culture, that culture of discipline and that culture of mental and physical toughness, and, that, and the teamwork, where they will always find a way to persevere and to win because they will never, never want to let their teammates down. And you know, then we were able to get there. So it was just a matter of you know, making sure you had the right people on the bus to get there. And I should tell, so if our listeners haven't followed Army football, that in the last three years or so, as a consequence, Jeff Munkin, the coach that you hired, Boo Corrigan, who has been your athletic director, and you at the helm, uh, won the last three Army-Navy games, the last two Commander-in-Chief trophies, uh, three bowl games in a row have won. Um, so it, it, I think anybody top looking back at a top too. 20 ranking for the yeah. first time in decades. So I think anybody who's looking at it would probably say, you know what, maybe we don't need to move down to Division Two. <laughs> We're doing okay where we are now under this. Is, is that one of your, when you look back at your, at your tenure as a superintendent, will that be one of your, one of your highlights? It, it, it will be, you know, and... Frankly, I, I mean, people come to me and say, well, my legacy as a superintendent is going to be turning Army football around. I'd rather have my legacy being the turnaround, the character of the Corps of Cadets, to be men and women of honor and integrity. But, you know, character not only is duty, honor, and country, but character also is the relentless tenacity to win and to win the right way. And because that's what America expects of its Army. They don't expect them to look good, like I said. They want them to go out there and win. You know, on the, the last three Army-Navy games, I know Army won, but the last three Army-Navy games, especially the one the year before in the snow, the snow kind of blanketed the entire East Coast. So, you know, it was a weekend in December, so a lot of people normally go shopping, Christmas shopping on, on that particular Saturday, but because of the snow on the entire East Coast, they were all stuck at home. I think the TV ratings were about as high as you could ever imagine because they were, they were but people were glued to, the, to their TV set. And then went to the very last play of the game. I was on the sideline watching that game, fighting off of the snow, as a matter of fact. And you're right. As you said, pick up. But what was more important is what they saw. Yeah. 
is they saw the future leaders of their army and the future leaders of the Navy. And they saw men who were tough, mental and physical tough on both sides of the ball with both teams. They saw people that refused to quit, people that would lay it on the line for each other, and then, and then people that would do whatever it takes is necessary in accordance with our values to win. And the Army was fortunate to persevere. We were, we were. You know, that could have gone anyway, as you know. But the message to America was you ought to feel good about the future leaders of the Navy and the future leaders of the Army as demonstrated on that football field on that afternoon, on that snowy afternoon in December. You know, and at a time, and I've said this on the air, at a time when we are so riven by, by partisanship um, in, in many of the worst senses of the term, um, it, to me, and I go to every one of these games, it's, it's when they call it the nation's game, they're right, because it's, it's all about what's good about this country and, the, and mm -hmm. the people, as you said, who are going to be future leaders. The, I, I have to say that, that I've, I've watched carefully because of, I think, the fact that I chronicled this. And, and, and um, I watched carefully how your leadership, how you were viewed by the cadets. And it was clear that first, I, I will say this, and I don't think anybody would disagree with me. I, I think you are, in all the best senses of the word, probably a pretty tough guy as a leader, and that's probably pretty good. And yet, I could, it was palpable that the cadets loved you. You know, I love when they would refer to you as soup daddy. <laughs> Somehow, I don't think that's the term you would choose for yourself if you're gonna ask. But, but to me, it was just, again, this palpable evidence of, of how they felt about you. Knowing all that, how hard was it for you to, to, to step away from the academy? Um, it was it was hard. Yeah. It was hard. Um, but after 43 years, I knew I needed to. The, the, the beauty of the Army is you, they have mandatory retirement laws or mandatory retirement policies. So I had hit my mandatory retirement. I had my extension passed that signed by the president. So enough was enough. You know, the, the next guy had to move up there. So so I knew it was my time to leave. But um, and you know I. You, you just absolutely pour your heart and your soul into that and into the lives of so many people and they pour their heart and soul into your life. You know, that mutual connection that occurs is really just hard to break and it doesn't break easily. So there have been some withdrawals. But the good news is that, you know, the time that you spend in investing your life into cadets and the future leaders of our country, the bill pair is the lives you fail to put your life into and that's your family into your spouse, into kids. So it gives you the opportunity to not invest back and to make up some of that time that's been lost. I gotta tell you, when, when I did the story five years ago, one of the conclusions I expressed is that West Point got the right guy uh, to, to come and become their leader, the superintendent. I, I think that was proven out um, by everything the Academy's done in the last five years, not just football-wise, but in, especially leadership and, and character-wise. And uh, you know, for, for somebody who was originally looking at five and out, uh, 43 and then out has, have been a, a, a blessing, certainly for the military, uh, those that got to serve mm -hmm. with you, and for you to provide the leadership that was necessary for not only the people that you, that you commanded, um, but the rest of the nation it has just been a, a marvelous for us. Mm -hmm. So um, 
my opportunity to say thank you to you for everything you've done on behalf of all the people that have served mm -hmm. with you. Um, when you talk about West Point and, and the, all the good of it, I, I think you're a great symbol of it. So, mm -hmm. General, it's always always good to talk with you. All right, Jack, and thank we'll, you. I look forward to keeping in touch with you now that you have all this leisure time. Yeah. <laughs> General, a pleasure. Thank you. You'd be honor. well. It's an honor to be here. Thank right. you, Jeff. That does it for this edition of the College Sports Insider, sponsored by the NCAA and Champions Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. Thanks for joining us, and we will look forward to talking with you again real soon.